Now is the time for the leader to qualify. Okay. Good morning once again. My name is also Susan. I'm a compulsive overeater. I can drag this right. Okay. Here are some photos. First of all, thank you, Adam. Where are you sitting? Wherever you are. There you are. Um, Thank you so much for asking me to speak. It's always an honor and a humbling experience to tell my story, to remember where I've been and that there is a bottom beneath the bottom that I've known and I can easily go back there and go down lower than I was. Not necessarily in numbers, but spiritually. So to get the numbers out of the way, um, I have nearly 19 years. I'm three weeks away from having 19 years. I came into these rooms. My first meeting was in 1982. So I know all of you can count and know that a lot happened in between. And basically, I wasn't ready to give it up. I didn't see that my life was unmanageable, and I didn't want to admit that I was powerless over food. My top weight that I know of was 250 pounds. I wore a size 26 dress, and today I'm maintaining over 100 pound weight loss. I don't like to say the number because women always despair over what others weigh. I'm small boned. You may weigh more, may weigh less. I weigh what works for me. Um, So, how have I stayed, stayed stopped? How have I relieved myself from that obsession of food that centers in my mind that used to be there 25 hours a day from the minute I woke up in the morning before my, heat, before my feet hit the floor? I had a plan and then all of a sudden it was gone. I got out of bed and it was done. And today I have relief from that obsession as the result of working these steps. I've spiritually awakened and I strive to continue to awaken every single day. Um, I see an awakening like a dimmer switch. It goes up and up and up, and it never, ever stops, and it can't stagnate for too long. Um, I'm very, very, very grateful to Overeats Anonymous and to you know AA, which is their 12 steps as a foundation of our program, because I wouldn't be standing here with you today. I'm sure I'd be you know, on my couch in one of those shows where people can't get off of their sofas. Um, I have no doubt. Um, so... What I did was eventually I put the fork down, I picked up the pen, and I took very clear-cut direction. But along the way, a lot of things happened, which I'll just tell you very, very briefly. Obviously, I consumed a lot of food. Um, you, do, you don't eat minimal amounts, and I am a quantities person. So for me, my absence is no flour and sugar. It's very black and white. My food plan, again, like Susan said, is separate. It's three meals a day with nothing in between because for me, snacks are very busy. They're very loud. And as soon as I would finish that meal, there was a time when I started the job I'm at now, which was 12 years ago. It was going to be an hour extra in the day. So I decided I will need a snack. How can one live? And I can tell you that from the minute I put the little lid on my Tupperware at lunchtime, I couldn't stop thinking about when I would have that snack. So after about six weeks or so, I realized I wanted to be present in my job with all of you and not thinking about that snack. So for me, that doesn't work. But that's just my story. It doesn't mean it's yours. Um, So I found the 12 steps when I moved here. I definitely did a geographic to get away from my life. And I learned that wherever I go, there I am. And I had never heard of 12-step programs. I didn't know anything about it. And I was brought to my first meeting. I think it was the end of 82 or 83. And I 
when I moved here, I'd done this thing called the Beverly Hills Diet, which was eating all fruit. And I always say that when I landed in L.A., I had canker sores all in my mouth because it was pineapple day. Um, and because I am a good compulsive overeater, I didn't just have a few pineapples. I had a lot of pineapples because it said you could have as many as you want. Um, and my, I have a mind that doesn't know how much I want. It just knows that it's never enough. It's never enough. However much I have, it's not enough. I want yours, I want yours, and I want mine over and over again. Um, so I went to that first meeting. It was a 100-pounder meeting at the Derby office. It was two hours at the time. There was a 15-minute break, which was actually nice because the newcomers didn't know what was going on and you couldn't run away as quickly. Um, and people did come over and talk to you, which was lovely, but I had no interest and I just didn't hear anything that you said. But something was planted that day because I did keep on coming back. I kept coming back, not you know every week, every other month, but every time when I had those Sunday night blues, I thought, oh, that Overeaters Anonymous thing. And I didn't come back on Monday, but maybe by the middle of the week when the weekend was coming again and my clothes didn't fit one more time, I would think about it and I would come and I would always sit in the back. You know, I always laugh because we go to concerts or shows and we always want to sit at the front. And everybody in OA starts to fill up in the back. <laughs> it's so funny. But if you're paying good money, you want the front row and you'll kill for it. Um, so... I came in and out. My life here went very, very well. All my legalities, all of that, got jobs, made friends, um, fortunate to buy a home, and everything was wonderful, but I couldn't stop eating. I could not stop eating for all the tea in China, which is just an English expression. I don't know why that just came out. Um, so that probably means nothing to you, but we'll always say, for all the tea in China, you couldn't do it. Um, and I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars I did diets where I ate hardly any food and watched my hair fall down the sink. I had my mouth wired shut, and the minute I had it done, I found how to get chocolates down the back of my mouth. And I lost no weight in three months, and then had all these teeth issues. I did that. I bulimically exercised. I've had trainers. I've had therapists. I've had everything. I'm not saying outside help doesn't work, because I've had it, and it does. However... I need people who understand me. You speak my language. There's an AA meeting I sometimes go to just because I like going, and they say this, this meeting is dedicated to one drunk talking to another. And you're my drunks, and I need you, and I need you to talk to me because you understand what my head says. You understand how the focus can just be on, whether it be on a carrot or on an apple, and it isn't about that you ask me what's going on because it wasn't about the food. This food was just a symptom of whatever jiggy feelings were going on for me. So I came in and out, in and out, and eventually the day came when I ran out of old ideas. I had no more mental twists. I had nothing else going on. And I knew that one day I was never going to be a normal drinker that every alcoholic has strived for in the big book of alcoholics and every compulsive overeater has here. And I was exhausted, and more than anything, I was actually scared. I was scared that what happens if I don't do this? What happens? You know, the good job can go away, the friends can go away. My friends were very sick of me, I can tell you that. And my friendships, because it's all I talked about. And I told them, my skinny girlfriends, what they should be eating and how they should do it. And then, you know, nobody ever saw me eating, ever saw me eating, because I never did anything in front of you. I ate lettuce and diet ranch in front of you. That's what I did. So, um, finally, I decided that I needed some help, and it was step one. You know, there's two parts of step one. We're powerless, and our lives have become unmanageable, and I didn't get how my life was unmanageable. 
I did my hair, I did my makeup, I looked good, I had da 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 It was the insanity going on inside. That was the part that was unmanageable. It was that noise that I don't have today. You know, it talks about the language of the heart in the big book, and I hope on the, you know, most of my days that that's where I live. Um, obviously, I need to use my brain and my head to do things, but I don't have to live in that obsession all day long about myself. And, you know, then step two will tell me that, you know, I'm going to find this power greater than myself and be restored to sanity. And that has happened a day at a time, and it's evolved in different situations. Today, it's not about the food for me, but it's about the food for as long as it is, and then it isn't. And today, I really am so grateful to have that freedom. Um, so I came in, I had a sponsor who, she weighed 350 pounds, she had about 15 years at the time, she didn't weigh 350 pounds when she sponsored me, and she was very black and white and very clear cut. She said, this is what I do, this is how I do it, this is how I work with the girls that I work with, basically you're in or you're out. And I said, okay. And I always like to share this part, not because I'm a hero, but to let you know that I wasn't I wasn't thoroughly there. I wasn't wholeheartedly there yet. I still had a few old ideas because she lived in Florida. And I really didn't want to get, I didn't want to get to know anyone here. And so she tried to really scare me. She said I'd have to call her at 4.45 a.m. in the mornings, five days a week. And I think it was 7 or 7.30 on Sundays for the first 90 days. And so, because I'm a great addict, I'm going to do it. And I did do it. And you know what? She saved my life. She saved my life because on that Sunday when I cried to her for two hours, begging her, like a good salesperson, to um, take me on, she asked me what I was going to have for dinner that night. And it was Sunday night. You just don't start on a Sunday. It's not a day that ends in a wire that works for, you know, a new plan. And she said to me, Susan, you've been crying on the phone for me for two hours. You say that you're going to call me at quarter to five tomorrow morning, but you're not willing to tell me what you're going to have for dinner tonight. And I really believe at that moment I had my first spiritual awakening. And I just said, okay. And for me, I weigh and measure my food, not out ever. I do not take food scales anywhere. I'm a quantities person. I, I wouldn't do that to myself. That would be punishment. Why would I humiliate myself that way when I'm at home? Because that's what works again for me. And that was the first night that I ate exactly what I said. Not another drop went in my mouth. I didn't lick my fingers, lick my forks, do anything around the top of the bottle, nothing. And I went to bed, and that was it. And I woke up in the morning, and I started. And I do today what she told me to do back then. I pray and I meditate in the morning. I read two daily readers. I only used to read one. You don't have to read two. You can read whatever, you know, works for you. And then I sit and meditate around that reading. And I write most mornings if I haven't hit the snooze for an extra five minutes. Um, and my writing can be about what's going on in my mind or something from the reading that has sparked it. And sometimes when I've worked with my sponsees in the morning, something then comes up for me from that work. And I committed my food to her every morning for those first three and a half years that I worked for her. And for me, that works because I have the freedom. I take my food with me to work anyway, breakfast and lunch, so I know what I'm going to have, so it isn't a problem. And normally after work, I'm going to a meeting, or I'm going if I'm going out for dinner, I just know what I'm going to have, because I just do. So I enjoy the freedom of just giving it away in the morning, and it's done. Um, so I still do that. I go to three meetings a week. I have service positions at all of them if I can. I believe in rotation of service, so that doesn't always work out. And I became a part of, I became a member 
of Overeaters Anonymous. I don't sit in the back row. I do get to my meetings early. I do say hi to other people. I take newcomers' phone numbers. Even if you never call me back, I'm going to phone you anyway because I know how it feels to really feel that you're alone. So once I started doing that, you know, fortunately my body responded, the weight came off, and there were definitely moments of jiggy feelings of not knowing what to do and not spending and not going out with too many boys and not using inappropriate behaviors. All of those things I've worked the steps around, all of them, all of them. And I don't display those behaviors today. First of all, I don't throw out my wardrobe every three months because I've gained weight. So the nice thing is that now I don't have to do that. Things fit and I don't have that anxiety getting out of bed that I haven't seen you for two weeks. What am I going to wear? Um, I've worked the steps every single way possible. I've worked all of the books. Um, I've done year-long workshops. And I do believe that a power with an uppercase greater than me has truly changed my life a day at a time. And I do have a life today beyond my wildest dreams, which I thought was so corny to say when I came in here. But I really, really do the simplest of things make me happy when, you know, I sponsor somebody and suddenly something starts to awaken for them. I really get excited about those things. I mean, this is how I'm going to live the rest of my life a day at a time. I know I cannot stop. You know, once I start, I can't stop. And once I stop, I can never start again. I go to bed at night, and to the best of my ability, I try not to cause any wreckage. Not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And oftentimes I do. And I have people in here who I call frequently who have to hear from me about the same things over and over again. And so all of a sudden, one day I hear what they're saying, and I take that next right action. Um, this is definitely work. And as hard as sometimes it may seem like, why am I here again? Why am I doing this? It's nothing compared to the hard work of maintaining 250 pounds and the head that goes with it and the thighs that bleed in the summer when they rub together. Because there is nothing more humiliating that happened to me than that. Um, or having my stomach patted in that lovely 80s green dress and being asked if I was pregnant. So, you know, there are things that, that I don't want to go back there. I don't want to go back there. I enjoy the freedom today of having July 4th parties, of getting in a swimming pool with friends. I'm going to a pool party today. I mean, seriously. That is just... And I didn't take a diuretic. I didn't snort cocaine yesterday. I didn't use any inappropriate behaviors to get myself through it today. I'll be there. I'll be present. That is a miracle. That is a direct result of working these steps. Um, I've done many an inventory. Um, I've always had sponsors who have not been lackadaisical of take as long as you need. I have a very A-type personality, so it doesn't really matter for me, but that's just my story. Um, and I've worked them, and they can be mortifying. And I just did last year with my sponsor a whole huge sex inventory, and I didn't leave the country, and I didn't have to stand in the next room and read it to her because I felt safe. <laughs> even though I wanted to, I felt safe and I knew again that I was going to awaken from doing this because there were things going on that sometimes you don't remember everything and then suddenly you do. Um, so again, if that's something that you're struggling with, again, there's freedom on the other side and you're with someone who's been there and who's done it and there's just, just so much more conscious contact with my higher power after I have those experiences, to be honest with you. I have many defects of character, many. 
um, and they come up and I have people around me who will, you know, press that buzzer and say, you're doing it again. And today I press the buzzer before they do and I call myself out because I'm uncomfortable. And it's like that itch that won't go away. And it's like, Susan, why are you still doing that? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It didn't work then. It doesn't work today. And it's certainly not going to work tomorrow. So, you know, I have to be fearless and thorough. Fearless and thorough. And also another thing it says in the big book is I had to fully concede to my innermost self that I was an alcoholic with food. And that was really, really hard. Really hard. I don't know why, it just was. I didn't want to feel defeated. I wanted to feel like a winner. And today I do because I didn't try and win. You know, there's no gold medals here, and that's the nice part, you know, just being one of many. Um, I sponsor a lot of women in this program, and I love it. I really, really do. I get to give back what has so generously been given to me. You know, this is available to everyone but we don't all take it. And I certainly didn't for all those years. Again, from the end of 82 to 1999, that, that's a lot of time, that's a lot of days, that's a lot of hours. That's, in L.A., a lot of different food plans and crazy things that you can do. Um, as you know, I've chaired the birthday party twice. That has been a lot of fun, and that's also given me a lot of grace and integrity and in learning to work with others, and people have better ideas than me, and people have ideas that I can learn from which is great, and I've loved doing it. And, you know, this year I just am looking forward to just being there and doing that. So service is its own reward. Um, I also, you know, I've studied the traditions. I think they're so important. I, I read the big book from the very, very beginning, from the preface on, because there's so much there. And, you know, my first sponsor gave me that. And when I work with people, they go, I've never read those first few pages. Okay. And you know what, maybe I wouldn't have done either because I used to go through the big book to find the answer. But the answer's on every page, so it doesn't really matter today what page I open. You know, God takes me to the page where I need what I want to read. This morning's, um, it was for today, had some great stuff in it because I had it all highlighted and underlined already. I was like, oh, I must have liked this day. Um, and today the good news is I have no plans on leaving. I have no plans on going anywhere. I've always had a sponsor in here as well because I tried for many years to do it myself. And when I do my food and my life and I live in my head, you see what I look like. You see what I look like. The only thing is different is that I chemically straighten my hair now. Um, but otherwise, it's all the same. I would be right back there, right back there in that humiliation, just in that pool of shame and hatred and just, you know, full of fear. And the fear is the false evidence appearing real. It's not that I'm scared to walk into a room. It's not that I'm scared at work. But I just have this false evidence, these stories that my head starts to tell me about what you're thinking, what I'm thinking, what she's doing, what they're doing, why I didn't this, why I didn't that. And none of it's true. And so today, a day at a time, from praying, from meditating, from having clean food that works for me, thank you so much. I don't have to use any of those insane behaviors. And also another thing today I get to say is, I don't know. What's your experience? I don't know. If my sponsees, they're going, a few of them are going through some, some things I haven't experienced. I get to say, I don't know, but I once heard this, perhaps phone this person. Because I don't have to know everything. I'm not going to go up on the next pay scale. I'm not going up on any next pyramid level or anything. I just get to go and grow. And Maxine, who was my sponsor for a long time, she always used to say, you know, our recovery has peaks and valleys. Just don't ever move your furniture into the valley. 
You know, you go up and you go down, and, and it's so true because we get to that. For me, that comfort point was, oh, the clothes fit. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. It's okay, but I'm not done. You know, all I have is these 24 hours a day at a time, and that was where I always failed. There was always, not always failed. I just did things that didn't spiritually awaken me, that didn't deal with my spiritual malady is the bottom line. So outside food plans, they work, but if you're a food addict like I am, they don't work because they have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And then you get a ribbon, then you get a badge, then you get off for jobs, then you do a photo shoot, and I did all of these things, and I ate again because I didn't have you. I didn't have another compulsive overeater who understood how to get me out of my head and go walking towards the sunlight of the spirit. So I don't know I have much more to say. I'm very, very grateful. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing your questions. I'm not sure if I'll have the answers. Adam, thank you again for asking me to speak. And that's all I've got right now. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you do not need to identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Okie dokie. After such a great weight loss, did you deal with one um, body dysmorphia issues? And also, how did you deal with the skin? Okay. After such a, the question was, after such a great weight loss, did I deal with body dysmorphia issues, and what did I do with the skin? Um, I had gained and lost 100 pounds many, many times, and for some reason, I didn't have the body dysmorphia um, and the loose skin I had removed. I waited a year at the suggestion of my sponsor, went to see a lot of people, and yeah. If you want to know more, I'll tell you after. Thank you. Could you talk about your experiences with steps six and seven? Sure. Could I talk about my experiences with steps six and seven? Um, You know, those came out of when I did my writing. It all started, and then, you know, my defects and my people who I'm going to make amends to... And there were definitely things, and they're very, very humbling. And when I feel like when I'm safe with my sponsor, anything is okay. If I'm feeling safe in my environment, I can talk about things. And by the time I got there, especially the, the first time I was probably more on a pink cloud because I'd lost the weight, I was this, I'm going to do anything, I'm going to stay here. And they've gotten deeper as time has gone on, um, just you know, what comes up, but I just, you know, I do reading, I do writing, I talk about them, I let my close friends know who will point things out to me, and hopefully they're getting better. (laughs) Abby? Sure. Can I talk about how my relationships with my family and any romantic ones have changed? Um, Immensely. Um, Immensely, especially with, I mean, definitely with my family, hugely. Um, I had, you know, a lot of tumult in my childhood. Um, My mom is mentally ill. I had a horrible stepmother. I've had it all. 
um, and the fences have been fixed. You know, they're not, nothing is perfect, and it's about that spiritual progress, not perfection, but I don't have to keep talking about the past. I don't have to keep living there and looking in the rearview mirror. I know that my dad did what he thought he was doing best at the time for the age that he was at. We all grow older and wiser. That's the only thing I can say on that. Um, I have a sister who's in and out of the rooms. Um, That can be hard because when she's out of them, it's very, very different. Right now she's in them, so we're on a good swing. Um, They're all very, very supportive. And the nice thing is that our conversations don't all center around my body anymore. Because it was always, not that they they just wanted me to be happy. I want you to know that I was the one who always brought it up. I mean, people wanted me to be healthy. But when we are together, we don't sit down at family meals and everybody's waiting to see what I do. It's just, it's nothing now. My nephew, who's going to be 19 in January, he's never ever known me any other way. And when he once saw my photos, he didn't even know it was me. So that, to me, is such a gift, such a gift. And... um, Romantically wise, it's it's definitely it, it's challenging. We live in LA. How can it not be? Um, I've had good swings and bad swings, and up and down. And again, that's where the defects of character. And I've had to do a lot of work. Right now, we're in the middle of the road swing, <laughs> um, and we'll just see. But I just, you know, I just keep going and growing, going and growing. And I'm not perfect at it. But in the last year, I've done a ton of work to change things around my behavior in that arena. Yes. How do I structure my relationships with my sponsees? Very differently to when I first started. Um, very. So if I'm working with somebody new, I tend to speak to them at least five days a week in the beginning. Um, most of them, actually, they all live near me. So we all see each other at two to three meetings a week. I don't tell them to do anything that I don't do. If there's something that they choose to do that I don't do that helps them, fantastic. I take my calls in the morning before I go to work because I'm at home, I have my books, we do work on the phone. Most of the calls are 15 minutes. I kind of do it how Bonnie gave it to me right in the beginning and it just works for me. Um, They either email me their food or if they're going somewhere that day that they're going to have an issue with, we discuss it. Um, I see them at meetings, which I think is important. Um, I think it's important for them to hear me share and vice versa, that kind of thing. Um, and on the weekends, it just depends. If somebody needs me and I'm around today, I have a very full day after this, but I'll check my phone periodically, but I won't sit there and stare at it. And I always encourage everybody to make other relationships in this room because I'm not their higher power. And I'm very, very clear about making that not the story because I'm not, not, none of my sponsors have been or ever will be. They're just, you know, sitting on the bus with me doing this 24 hours, you know, for this next 24 hours. Yes. Hi, I'm Susan from Baltimore. Thank you, Susan. Can you explain the difference of how you eat when you're losing weight and how you eat when you're maintaining Sure. The question is, how do I eat when I'm losing weight and how do I eat when I'm maintaining weight? So when I became absent, I was 39 and maybe 57 and a few. Well, I've got over a month to go. But um, and in the beginning, I, my body responds to losing weight. Even today, this week, I had an emotional week and I lost two pounds and I had to out myself to my sponsor. But anyway, because um, I still get high on that. So I 
ate in the very beginning. I think I had one to two carbs a day. You know, very simple food. Again, I have no flour, no sugar. I still weigh and measure. I didn't eat out a ton in the beginning because I am a girl who wanted to lose weight, and I, I, I did. So I didn't eat out a ton.、Um, When I was in my 40s, I could definitely have three carbs a day. You know, I could have a carb at every single meal. I, I don't do that anymore. I have one to two a day, but it's basically it's more or less the same.、Um, it really, really is. A couple of years ago, I had some blood work done, and it came back that very, very high sugars. I don't eat sugar, but there's in my family a lot of diabetes on my grandmother's side. So again, this is just me. So I cut fruit out. So I haven't had fruit in over two years, and my sugar levels have gone down. Now I'm not saying I've never ever had it, because、um, I know I've had it at your house in the last few years.、Um, but occasionally, but I can't have it all the time, and that's just a chemistry makeup thing. But that's where today I'm willing to go to any lengths. Right? She said, "Well, that's probably it, because I ate three of them a day." And so, you know, those little things just happen. But otherwise, you know, my food is pretty much the same. In the very beginning, or just very quickly, I stayed away from ethnic foods and stuff. I just wasn't sure about it. And now today, I, I know I can be absent anywhere with comfort. I didn't do anything that got busy in my head. If I couldn't do it and walk away and leave it behind, I didn't do it. So, when did the noise about food stop in my head?、Um, when I came back, you know, when I came in properly, I will say I had relief pretty quickly because I was so sick of, you know, being sick and tired of this, and I was very, very ready. I was very ready to take those first three steps. And my food was clean. And once you're not, you know, using your heroin, using your alcohol, there is a peace that comes.、Um, so for me, it was pretty quick. I don't want to say an actual time frame, but it, it definitely was. And I think that was just about the first three steps. To be honest with you, I was just ready to be fearless and thorough. And that was, you know, it tells me that the result is nil until I let go absolutely. And that's what kept coming, you know, happening to me. I wasn't willing to let go absolutely, and once I was, everything changed. Tara.、Um, so you use the phrase、um, "work the steps on it."、So、yeah. What does that mean to you? What does that look like? If you're talking to a newcomer, right? Like, huh? Yeah. Thank you for asking that question. What does it look like when I say I worked the steps around the issue? So we'll go. Oftentimes, my go-to is always the big book. It just is, and、um, my sponsor will say, "Let's go here." Whether it be, you know, into action, you know, whatever part it is, it could be a particular story in the book. And for me, what I do is I read, I underline, I sit there, and then I write my stuff within that. And I uncover, discover, discard. And normally, as I start writing, and I, for me, again, just I don't type it. I sit there and I write, and there's a different energy that I just feel. There's an emotion that I just give it away on the page, and then I will make a time to speak to my sponsor. And if she's out of town, I'll talk to somebody else, and I will read it to them. And then, hopefully, after that, I'm done. But if not, if there's something more that comes up from it, or that issue doesn't go away, we, we got to do more. And it might be in the AA, it might be in the 12 and 12, it might be in an OA-related book, or it might even be just getting together then with somebody who's had that experience and asking them how they worked around it. Do I have time for one more?、Or? Oh, okay, Peter.
How do you trust that your higher power is bigger than your fears about the man in the White House and what's going on right now? Oh, that I'd rather not answer that. That's an outside issue. So, sorry. Okay. How do you become, trust your higher power is bigger than your fear? Okay. How do I trust my higher power regarding fears? Um, I. You know, again, for me, that false evidence appearing real, I talk to a lot of other people so that I can get out of thinking what you're thinking, and I have to know that God hasn't brought me this far to dump me. It's me who dumps me. It's my head who will dump me. And I have to dig deeper. I go to more meetings. I make more phone calls. I call more newcomers. I take a lot of contrary action. I do a lot of things that I don't want to do. It's like going to the gym when you don't want to go. And once you get there, you feel better. It's about sitting in the front of the room, talking to the person next to you. It's doing all those things, just anything to get me out of my head and get me out of self. Okay. Ellie? Thank you, Susan. Uh, would you talk a little bit more about your higher power, what it was when you first came in, how you played, what it is? Sure. Um, to talk about my higher power, what it is, what it was. Um, I just for me for some reason was able to differentiate you know my religion of choice and a god of my understanding in here and I always like the way that it's written that I do get to have a god of my understanding and I'm very very grateful that that's how it was written because your beliefs my beliefs what we do outside of here are nothing but it's the god of my understanding helps me not eat a day at a time um you know, I think Appendix 2 has helped me tremendously with that. I mean, it really, really has, because you get to have those experiences that you just know, is it odd or is it God? And it's just there's just no way that certain things in my life, they just wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have been here and not eating and wouldn't have been present. So I know it's evolved and that my faith has gotten deeper. I haven't suddenly thought, oh, on this day this has happened. But things will happen and I'll get that intuitive voice that I know that I have that conscious contact. You know, you can either have conscious contact or conscious separation. I heard that years ago from Sandy B, amazing AA speaker, and he always says I can be consciously connected or consciously separated. You know, who do I want to be? And that's what used to happen to me on Monday mornings. Um, so I think there's just a peace and an ease that comes. I just just don't have to walk alone here. So, Peter. Oh, yeah. How do I know I've gotten complacent in my program? And I have, so I will tell you. So, <laughs> um, coming up on 10 years, um, things changed in my sponsor's life at the time who I'd had for a long time and she wasn't going to as many meetings so I didn't go to as many meetings <laughs> she wasn't doing this as much so I didn't do this as much and then when I started to just when you all start to annoy me <laughs> I know that something's going on and thank goodness I had enough of a muscle to know that it was me and not you. And unfortunately, I knew I had to change sponsors. And it was very, very hard to get a new sponsor after 10 years of being with someone. Very, very hard, because somebody really knows you inside out. And I started to work with 
Leslie E in Brentwood and she cleaned me right up and she you know I was doing a year-long workshop that wasn't a meeting I had to go back to three meetings a week I had to say yes to everybody who asked me to sponsor I'm like oh I don't have time I just want two and it just now I have nine and you know it's not about the numbers but it's just about yes going back to basics and it's very you know you can have that and I'm very aware of it now and I can't tell you it won't happen to you or it will but it's very easy to glide and so now I'm, I'm not in that herd anymore and I'm glad I'm glad because I, I would have eaten I would have eaten if I hadn't have had that little moment of consciousness of like you know what this isn't so good I'm feeling a little jiggy most days as opposed to not. And yes, my food is okay today, but, you know, relapse isn't about the first bite. It's about what I did months or weeks or even years before the first bite. You know, I'd be sitting at the bar last. So that's what I did. I shook it up and got a new sponsor. Five more minutes. (laughs) Last call. Yes, Don. What do you do on a daily basis? What do I do on a daily basis? I get up at five-ish in the morning during the week. I put the kettle on. That has to come first. Um, Then I do my daily readings, and from those I sit and I meditate. Years ago, it used to just be silence. Today, you know, there's different apps, and I have something. Sometimes I found some 12-step guided meditations, actually, which I really like as well. And I try and do that for 10 to 15 minutes, and it really, really helps. And on the mornings when it is less, sometimes it's a lot. Um, I I also read Upon Awakening in the morning. I love that. And then I take my calls. My food is normally all packed up the night before. So I take my sponsee calls. Um, I ret- and then when I'm driving to work, if I'm not on calls, I always return the calls that have been made to me. I try and return them in a timely manner or when I know I can reach you. Um, there's people who I speak to regularly every day, sometimes more than once a day. And I go to three meetings a week. Um, like I said, I have service positions at them. I can't think of anything else I do. Brush my teeth. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. That's basically what I do. I'm sure there'll be something I've forgotten and I'll let you know. Oh, I write a 10 step at night. Oh my God, there you go. I write a 10 step and sometimes I have to out myself in the middle of the day and I have to make an amends as I go along and I'm on a gratitude list with a group of people that we do. And I'm also, I know that sometimes if I'm going to have a meet, going to a meeting, I'm going home to 9.30, I write my 10th step before I go. I don't set myself up to not do it. And I make amends very, very promptly, even if I think you've wronged me so badly. The, more, the worse I think you've wronged me, the quicker I have to make an amends to you. Adam. Do I, ever, do I ever get to the, uh, the burnout? I think was the complacency that Peter asked me about. Maybe more that, or just, and that's that's ego. I think that that was ego and self-centeredness, self-centered fear of I've got this, I've lost my weight, I'm okay. But then remembering that yeah, I'd lost weight before, but that got me nowhere. So I think for me, the two were hand in hand. Lauren. Well, when, uh, when you were just talking about your Oh, okay. 
So what do I include in my 10th step? Um, I use either the format, you know, when you're reading through, when we retire at night, there are those questions. There's that paragraph in the big book. I don't know them all off by hand. Or there's one I write that Leslie gave me. And I write what I was fearful of, if I was resentful at anyone, what my assets were, and that wasn't I looked great at work today. It's that I... (laughs) I Um, That's about, you know, was I there for you? Did I return your call? Did I listen to you instead of talking about myself? Was I available? Did I pick up the slacker? I mean, you know, just whatever it was, an asset to help another. And then I write... um, God, I write it so much from memory, and yet I can't remember. I ask God to remove all these fears and resentments. Please remove them all now, and I pray only for the knowledge of your will for me and the power to carry that out. So that's what I do, and sometimes I, I write it. I have I book, I do my writing, and then if something comes up in it, I'll either take a screenshot or I'll type some of it to my sponsor so that we can, you know, TBD, so that I don't <laughs> forget. Yes. One more question. Okay. Um, you just said the worst you feel you've been um, hurt, or the worst you feel you've been treated, the quicker you make the amends. Uh huh. Um, I understand what you're saying, but it also still sounds very twisted to me. Can you give an example of that? Um. Oh my gosh. Okay. I, I can't think. But if I think that you're doing something to me. I have to always look at my part. That's what I've been shown here. By all of you and by all of my sponsors, I've always been shown to look at my part. Now, if you're treading on my foot and you're really hurting or you're driving your car over my foot, yes, you are doing something to me, so I'm going to ask you to remove it. But if there's a behavior that's coming up and I keep walking into the quicksand, why am I going there? If I keep taking this route to work and I know there's traffic all the way and I'm late, why do I keep going that way? So if I just keep going to that empty well over and over again, and I'm expecting a different result. I don't know if that answers it more. So, But yeah, if I keep going to an empty well, I'm not going to get what I want. So, okay, thank you.